You know, we've had a, a couple of uh, deaths in our church family this week. Uh, Clancy's sister passed away this week, and I want to remember to pray for her and her family. Um, many of you know, some do not. Um, Pastor Oscar's sister passed away this week, the result of a pretty horrific car accident back in North Carolina. So that's where he is this morning. He flew back uh, late Friday night, early Saturday morning. They had the memorial service last evening at 5 o'clock. And so uh, he'll be back there probably most of the rest of this week before he comes back. So we want to remember to just pray for, pray for Clancy, pray for Pastor Oscar this morning. And it's been suggested as well that uh, some of us would like to help um, Oscar with the costs of flying he and his son back to North Carolina I know airplane tickets are really expensive right now. Um, I canceled a trip partly because of that. Um, and so if you have interest and ability and want to help toward those expenses, um, I'm guessing in round figures probably at $1,500 to 2000 for airfare and, and, and what else. Um, anyway, if you have interest in helping with that, you can find an envelope in the pew in front of you and uh, put something in there. You can give it to one of our ushers afterwards or leave it back at the communication center. Um, or mail it in this week, whatever works for you. But let's just pray and uh, remember uh, these two families and uh, just commit them to the Lord this morning. Oh, Lord, you are so good. You are so good. And you are so faithful, faithful all the time. And we're grateful. Lord, so often we fail to recognize that you're at work. We forget to see your faithfulness. We forget to see your goodness. So thank you this morning for that reminder as we have sung uh, together. And I do want to pray for for Clancy this morning, for her family, that they might experience the fullness of of your comfort, that you would be their their strength and their help. Thank you that, uh, that her sister is with you now, and we have that hope of reunion again. And uh, so we just are grateful that uh, we can trust you and trust the promises of your word this morning. Pray, too, for Pastor Oscar, his son John, his mother, his two sisters, as they're all together back in North Carolina. Pray, Lord, that you would minister to them uh, your comfort, uh, your hope. Uh, Give Oscar wisdom as he tries to encourage and comfort his mom and sisters. And uh, just help him to be a blessing to them in the time that he's there and just... uh, Give him freedom of spirit to, uh, to be there and uh, to represent you well. Lord, we, we just ask your, your blessing here. Uh, we sung this morning about glorifying you. That's always our prayer. It's always our hope as we gather together here in this place that, uh, that you would be glorified, that your name would be lifted up, that your name would be honored. And I... I thank you for that great promise that Maggie read to us earlier, that what can separate us from the love of God? There's nothing that can separate us from your great love. And so we're grateful this morning for that simple truth. Thank you that you've loved us with an everlasting love. Thank you for the simple truth that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we celebrate uh, this morning Your love for us, uh, Your goodness, Your faithfulness. And we give You thanks together in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
in your lifetime, as in mine, we've experienced some pretty, pretty horrific events that have taken place. I think of wars that I have witnessed, thankfully, from afar. Uh, in junior high and high school, the Vietnam War. I think of other wars. Uh, one of my friends was in Bosnia when that, that conflict was going on. Um, think of Afghanistan and Iraq. My son was in Iraq three times, Afghanistan once. So those are very, very, very real events for me. I think of the current war in Ukraine, and we see those pictures on the evening news and in the newspaper, and uh, just horrific, uh, horrific stuff, Re- reminders of uh, just the, the evil nature of man, right? And then you think of, of natural disasters, whether it's tornadoes or hurricanes or earthquakes, mudslides, I mean, wildfires, the list just goes on. Um, our, our lives are punctuated often with times of, of tragedy. Um, even this week, the news about Oscar's sister being killed in this car accident, just, just a horrific, horrific event. And one of the things that I've observed in my lifetime is how often during these times people ask the question, where was God? Have you heard that any time in the last week? We had the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Nineteen school children, two teachers were killed. Uh, there was a shooting uh, in Buffalo, New York. There was a shooting in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, yesterday, Friday, I've lost track of the flow of time this week. There was a stabbing in a hospital in Encino. You know, you, you hear about these events and you're just you're reminded of the just the evil nature of the world in which you and I live. And so often uh, people are asking the question, where was God? Where was God? And so I've been pondering that this week, um, just reflecting on some of these events, some of these things happening, uh, reading scripture, praying, reflecting. And this is not a new question, right? Can you think of anybody in the Bible who could have, might have asked that question, where was God when? Joshua, David, running from Saul, dodging spears. Job comes to mind pretty quick. You know, Jeremiah. You know, it just seems like you go through, go through the whole list, you know, Joe, jo- Joseph in Genesis, kind of one of my textbook examples of all the things that he went through. You know, his brothers dumped him in a pit, planning to leave him there to die, and then they got this brilliant idea, they'd sell him into slavery, and they did that. And he got into Egypt and had kind of a great position, and then because of a, of a lot, the, his boss's lying wife, he wound up in prison, you know. And he just said, where, where was God in all this? There's no shortage of examples that raised the question, where was God? Um, have you ever asked that question in the circumstances in your life? I have. Who said, of course, thank you. I'm glad supported me in my, you know. Um, you know, the circumstances of life so often draw us to ask that question, where's God? You lose a job or two or three. Um, 
You experience death in your family. You experience an illness and you keep going to the doctors and there's no help to be found there, right? Or perhaps worse yet, you go to the doctors and they say, we've done all we can. There's nothing more we can do. Um, where, Where was God? And so I want you to come with me this morning to Psalm 10. The 10th Psalm addresses this question in a, in a very, very, uh, at least for me, a very clean and, and simple way. And I've organized this Psalm around three questions. And so if you're a note taker, you might just kind of make note of these three questions. Because the, the first four verses, the psalmist is asking the question, does God hide? Does God hide? Seems like it sometimes, doesn't it? And so the first four verses, that's kind of the question that he's wrestling with. And then the next several verses, like 5 through 11, uh, he's kind of asking the question, does, does God hear? You know, okay, he's there, but does he hear? And then the following that, verses 12 to the end, he's, he's asking the question, does God help? And so, does God hide... Yes or no? No. Does God hear? Yes. Does God help? Yes. But honestly, haven't there been times in your life when you question that? Never? You know, I've had experiences where I just kind of thought, you know, where'd God go? <laughs> is he hiding out somewhere? And so this is... This is kind of where the psalmist comes. And, and the, great, the great message that undergirds these three questions is this. God is never more present than when he seems most absent. He's always there, right? And so come with me to, to, to the 10th Psalm and let's read this and, and let's talk about it a little bit. We don't know who wrote this psalm. We don't know the circumstances. But I'll tell you what. I sure identify with the spirit that he reflects here. I've been here more than once. Why dost thou stand afar off, O Lord? Why dost thou hide thyself in times of trouble? In pride the wicked hotly pursue the afflicted. Let them be caught in the plots which they've devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire, and the greedy man curses and spurns the Lord. The wicked in the haughtiness of his covetousness does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Thy judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his adversaries, he snorts at them. He says to himself, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not be in adversity. His mouth is full of curses and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is mischief and wickedness. He sits in the lurking places in the villages. In the hiding places, he kills the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the unfortunate. He lurks in a hiding place as a lion in his lair. He lurks to catch the afflicted. He catches the afflicted when he draws him into his net. He crouches. He bows down, and the unfortunate fall by his mighty ones. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never 
see it. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the afflicted. Why has the wicked spurned God? He has said to himself, Thou wilt not require it. Thou hast seen it, for thou hast beheld mischief and vexation to take it into your hand. The unfortunate commits himself to you. You have been the helper of the orphan. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Seek out his wickedness until thou dost find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. Nations have perished from his land. O Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt strengthen their heart. Thou wilt incline thine ear to vindicate the orphan and the oppressed. The man who is of the earth may cause terror no more. And so as I suggested in the first uh, four verses, he is giving us the setting for this song that he's going to sing. And he gives here kind of his perspective on what is going on around him. And so, as I said, he's asking the question, does God hide? Uh, my translation says, do you stand afar off? And that Hebrew word means to be remote at a great distance. That sense of God being afar off. Uh, do you hide yourself? Do you conceal yourself in times of distress? And so he's reflecting on what he observes in the world around him. And these are the questions that trouble him. And then he makes the request that uh, the wicked um, might be caught in the plots which they've devised. And so he is struggling with this whole idea of God being absent. You know, it's interesting, if you're familiar with American history, a lot of the early founders of our country were religious people who were called deists. They weren't Christians as we understand it, but they were deists. A deist believes that there is a God. That's good, right? They believe that God created. That's also good. But then they believe that God created and left. And he's watching from afar. Uninvolved. Not interfering. Watching. He's at a distance. And for some people, there's, I think, a sense of comfort in thinking that God operates at a distance. He's not here. He's not involved. Aren't you glad you know better? And so here the psalmist is struggling with this thought that in the midst of the evil around him, and whether, that is, whether you think of that as natural disasters or evil in the form of all the stuff I just described, whether it's wars or shootings or stabbings, um, we're surrounded by evil. And the question comes up, where, where was God? Where, where was God when that gunman walked into that classroom in that elementary school in Uvalde, Texas? Where was God when that guy walked into the hospital in Encino, stabbing a doctor and two nurses? Where was God? And the answer of Scripture is, He's always there. He's always present. Always. Someone has suggested he's in the very same place he was when his son was hanging on the cross. A 
I think there's a comfort to be found in always remembering that God is present. God is most present even when he seems most absent. And if, you're, if, if you've experienced in your life, as I have, times where you just wonder, you know, where did God go? Is he here? Is he present? Does he care? Um, it happens. One of the questions that I often wonder about is when I hear this question being asked by people, oftentimes it's being asked by someone who does not believe that God exists. And so in my mind I'm thinking, so why would you be asking the question, where was God, if you don't believe He exists? God is never more present than when He seems most absent. You're familiar with the story captured by the woman who wrote the little story Footprints, right? And I've often thought that she captures in that story this wonderful truth. Because if you're familiar with the story, it talks about a man who's walking on the beach with the Lord and there's two sets of footprints, right? And then as this dream goes on about walking on the beach with the Lord, all of a sudden there's only one set of footprints. And that single set of footprints is happening in the darkest nights, the toughest times, the hardest hours in his life. And so he responds to this time of crisis and only seeing one set of footprints and says, Lord, why did you leave me during the most difficult and hardest times of my life? Why did you leave me? And the author of that story has the Lord responding and saying, My precious, precious child, I would never leave you. It was during that time, those times, where you saw only one set of footprints that I what? Carried you. You know, we need to appreciate the truth of that. Um, I I sometimes, um, some of you know I made myself available 25 plus years ago now uh, to several mortuaries in the area where I live to help them with funeral services for families that don't have pastors or somebody to lead services. And every once in a while, I'll run into someone who wants no scripture, no prayer, nothing religious. And uh, you might think that's a challenge, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I remember the first time this happened, this gentleman was, was most adamant that, uh, you know, he didn't want anything spiritual, no prayers, no scripture, none of that, none of that stuff. And, but as I talked with him, I said, you know, I wonder, would it be appropriate if I were to read in the service the story footprints? Oh! <gasps> My wife loved that story. That would be so appropriate, so perfect. Huh, yeah, that's what I said, huh? Because to me, the story Footprints is the 23rd Psalm in a story. Because the basic message of the 23rd Psalm is what? The Lord's my shepherd. I'm not going to want, you know, I've got everything I need. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why not? You are with me. There you go. And so the great message and the great truth of Scripture that you need to hang on to every day is God's simple promise to be there. And so the psalmist says, Lord, do you hide? Do you conceal yourself? Um, I'm not happy with that idea. 
And then he moves from that question, beginning about verse 5 and going down through verse 11. Um, and the question he's asking as I, as I read this and meditate on it, he's asking the Lord, do you hear? Because this is, he's moved from his perspective of, Lord, you're hiding out. You're disengaged. You don't care. And, and now he's moved from that to, well, here's the problem. Here's what I see in the wicked. I see the way the wicked live, their ways. I see the wicked's words. Uh, his ways prosper. Um, he says to himself, these are his words, I shall not be moved, not be in adversity. His mouth is full of curses, deceit, oppression. Under his tongue is mischief and wickedness. Not only are his ways wicked, but what? His words are wicked. Evil and wicked. Evil and wicked. And, and, and then... He, his sense of things with the wicked are they're, they're lurking. They're, they're in these hiding places. I'm in verse 8 if I lost you. Um, they're stealthily watching for the unfortunate. Do you see that in the world in which you and I live? Um, evil, evil, evil. He catches the afflicted, verse 9 says, draws him into his net. He crouches, he bows down. Um, so many times it seems like the, the wicked are on the hunt. Evil is on the hunt, searching. And in the mind of the psalmist, he says, this, this is all happening stealthily and just kind of hanging out, waiting to pounce. And even uses the, the image there of a lion uh, pouncing. Um, so in the first four verses, he's looking inward. He's reflecting. He's pondering. Now he's looking out around him at the world and the, the wicked and the evil. And does God hide? Now does God hear? Is God even aware of what's going on? You know, the deist who believes that God created and left and he's out there watching um, may or may not even believe that God hears. He's disengaged. And here the psalmist is struggling with that thought. Does God hear? Does God care? And so oftentimes I think it's a struggle even for us in some of the circumstances of life. We may have a confidence that God's present, but we, we waver a little bit. Is he, is he paying attention to me? Is he hearing me? Does he listen to me? Does he care? And the psalmist struggles uh, with this thought. Does God hear and does God care? Um, there are people who believe that the world in which you and I live needs to get better and will get better before the Lord comes back. And their expectation is, is there's things that we can do in our culture to address the evil and the wickedness to make the world a better place so the Lord can come back and, and rule and reign. The truth of Scripture is what? It's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. And the reminder for you and me 
is that we live in a wicked, evil world that desperately needs to know the Lord. And apart from God intervening, you know, I, I, I think of all the, the rhetoric, the conversation, whether it's in the news or in print, uh, you know, conversation about gun control, conversation about mental health issues. I see this in conversations about the homeless and the mental health issues. And our mindset is if we just spend more money, if we educate people better, it's going to fix the problem. And I hope you understand that's not, that's not the way it's going to work. The only thing that's going to fix all of these problems is the Lord. He's the, the one. And so the, the psalmist, um, does God hide? Does God hear? And then I, I love this third question, does God help? And so as, as, as the psalmist goes on, um, he says to himself in verse 11, God's forgotten. That word forgotten, by the way, the Hebrew word has the idea of, of misplacing something. Have you misplaced anything recently? You know, uh, sometimes when you misplace something, you can find it real quickly. You know, we got in the car this morning, I backed out of the garage, and my wife says to me, oh, I don't have my phone. And she went back in the house, and, you know, two minutes later, she's back in the car, right there, quick. Um, sometimes it takes a long time to find items that get mislaid. A friend of mine just moved back to Tennessee. Everyone's moving to Tennessee. Anybody have friends that moved to Tennessee? I have three friends that moved to Tennessee in the last two months, and they're all asking me when I'm going to come visit or when am I going to move there. Um, but one of my friends, uh, his wife, Laura, went to the grocery store and uh, came out of the grocery store and couldn't find her car keys. Her whole keys were missing, gone. And they weren't in the grocery cart, and she started looking around for them, couldn't find them. And uh, one of the box boys started helping look, and she called him, and he was about six miles away. And he drove over, and they're looking all over the grocery store trying to find these, these keys. They just got misplaced somewhere. And... Uh, the box boy finally found them. There's a little hole in the corner of that conveyor belt you put all your stuff on at the grocery store. And the keys had slipped off of the counter there into that little hole. But he found them and uh, saved the day. And so Dave and Laura were happy to have her keys. And uh, the funny part of this story is Dave says, yeah, I had to tip him 50 bucks. That's what I said. What? 50 bucks? He said, well, that's all I had. He said, I, I was going to give him a 20, but all I had was a 50. <laughs> and I said, oh, well. And he works in the automobile business, so what would it have cost him to replace that key, Steve? About 300 bucks, something like that? So that's what he said. He said, well, I figured the kid saved me 300 bucks, so 50 was worth it. But well, you mislay stuff, and it's, sometimes it's gone forever. Um, I lost a car key to my wife's car, and years went by. No idea where it disappeared to. You just mislaid. And so here the psalmist says, Lord, you've, you're concealed. <laughs> you're, like, you're like something that I just mislaid. And uh, he's hidden his face. And so that's the perspective of the, the wicked, perspective of the evil, is that uh, God's not there. 
God doesn't see, God's not involved. And here's the believer writing this psalm, this song, and, and he's kind of gravitating the same place. Does God hide? Does God hear? And then, as I said uh, in verse, beginning in verse 12, does God help? Arise, O Lord. I love that. Arise, O Lord. We should write a song about that, Maggie. I want you to kind of take that phrase and write a song. Um, Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the afflicted. And so now, his request, he's kind of shifted his thinking. He's, he's not asking the Lord to punish the wicked, not asking the Lord to punish the evildoer. He's saying to, to God, remember me. Don't forget me. You ever prayed that way? Remember me. You know, I, I reflect on that just momentarily, and I think that was, that was Samson's prayer, if you want to call it a prayer, when he, was, when he was tied between those two stone pillars in the Philistine temple, and he said to God, Remember me. And God returned his strength, and he brought the temple down. The thief on the cross said to Jesus, what? Remember me. And so here, here's the psalmist, and he's saying, Lord, don't forget the afflicted. You know, the wicked has spurned God, but I want you to remember me. Don't, don't forget me. And uh, <laughs> now he's reflecting, and he's saying, the Lord is king forever. I'm in verse 16 if I lost you. The Lord is king forever. That's a good reminder in times of crisis, in times of tragedy. If the Lord is king forever, what logically follows? <laughs> he rules and reigns. He's in charge. He's in control. And so often in times of crisis, in times of tragedy, we feel like things are out of control. And so the psalmist is circled all the way around from, God, do you hide? God, do you hear? Now he's saying the, the Lord is king forever and ever. Nations have per, per, perished from his land. O Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. Vindicate the orphan and the oppressed. The man who is of the earth may cause terror no more. So, in the first few verses, he's looking in, and his perspective is, God, where'd you go? You're hiding. In the next section, he's looking out at the evil around him. And he's saying, God, do you, do you hear me? Do you hear? Do you care? And now he's looking up, right? And he's saying, Lord, do you help? And the answer to that question is, yes. God's always there, always present, always cares, always available to help. And so the, the great truth of this psalm is that God is always there. He's always present. God is never more present than when he seems most absent. And I believe that one of the greatest promises in your Bible, one of the simplest promises in your Bible, is the promise of God's presence. 
always there, always present. He doesn't hide, never, ever, never, ever, right? He doesn't hide. He's always present. He always hears. He always cares. I get impatient with his timing. I confess that. But he's always there, always present, always cares. And he always helps. And that theme is repeated in your Bible and in my Bible from the beginning to the end. The men on Tuesday nights are studying the book of Joshua. And the book opens with Moses dying. Joshua is now in charge. And the whole focus and emphasis of the first couple of three chapters is this theme. God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. And Joshua needed that encouragement. God's promise to be there. I'll be with you. If you remember, even before that, Moses at the burning bush, God tells Moses he wants him to go tell Pharaoh to let his people go, right? And Moses' response was what? Um, I don't talk very well. I don't think you have the right guy. And what did God say? He not only told Moses, I'll be with you. He said, I'll do what? I'll be with your mouth. I love that. And that theme just goes through Scripture. I could, you know, just illustrations come to mind. You know, God calls Gideon. You know, Gideon's hiding out from the enemy, and God says, Oh, mighty, valiant warrior. And Joshua says, or Gideon says to God kind of the same thing. Are you sure you got the right guy? I'm from the least of the tribes, and I'm from the smallest of the clans. And God's promise to Gideon was what? I'll be with you. And if you're familiar at all with the story of Gideon, wow. Psalm 23, doesn't that promise kind of flow out of that psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because why? You are with me. And uh, that promise continues in the New Testament when Jesus left his disciples. The parting words were, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded. And Lo, I am with you most of the time. Always. There you go. Um, and then you go to the book of Hebrews, and in Hebrews thirteen five, the Lord says, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. You see, we need that reminder every day. God's promise. Never leave you, never forsake you. I'm with you. And uh, it was interesting to me recently, um, I was reading a devotional that talked about creating a, just for one week, create a, a, care, a care journal. And for one week, just pay attention to how God cares for you. Because I think a lot of times we kind of take for granted what God does. A lot of times we kind of don't pay attention to how God is caring for us. 
And uh, you know, just you got a, page, a blank page in your bulletin for sermon notes. If you haven't filled it all up, uh, keep it with you. And, and just kind of try to pay attention to this week of God's presence and how he cares for you. Um, I hesitate to tell you stories because most of my God caring for me stories happen on my bike rides. And my wife doesn't know any of these stories. So, But, but, but I've had a couple of incidents, one just yesterday, um, very similar kinds of experiences where, um, I'm sorry ladies, but at both times it was a woman, um, driving past me, no turn signal, riding past me so I was in her line of sight where she should have seen me on her right, right? And without a turn signal, she does this. And uh, my wife and I pray every time I leave the house to go on a bike ride that God will protect and care for me and provide. And He always does. So a lot of my stories are those kind of stories. Um, Have you ever had the experience, I've had this experience more than once, of sitting at a red light, waiting for the light to turn green, and the light turns green, and for some reason, internally, you know I'm not going to go. And you hesitate. One, two seconds max. You ever experienced that? That's a God-caring thing in in my view of life. Um, You know, because the guy behind me wants to honk at me because I'm two seconds stopped, you know. Um, God is always present. He always cares. And we we need to value that and appreciate that. In the midst of the, the evil and the wicked in the world, and even just in the midst of the everyday stuff in your life and my life, whether it's a woman turning right across your path of travel, uh, or whatever it is that's going on in your life. God's present. He's not hiding. He's there. He hears. He hears with intelligence, the Hebrew word implies. He hears. He's paying attention. He listens. And he helps. And I'm so glad for that. So whatever it is that's going on in in your life, Kind of pay attention to how God's caring for you this week. And maybe as kind of an extra bonus, as you have opportunity in the world in which you live, your neighborhood, your workplace, your family, your circle of friends, maybe there's opportunity to point out to others how God is caring. Maybe there's opportunity to suggest to others that the God they're not so sure of is, is actively involved and he's caring. God is never more present than when he seems most absent. And I'm glad for that. Where is God? He's everywhere, but he's right here. And he cares for you and he cares for me. And so, Lord, as we bow our heads before you this morning, um, we're confident that you do not hide We're confident that you do not conceal yourself, and we're so grateful. We're confident that you hear us, you care about the circumstances in our life, whether those circumstances circumstances are health challenges, 
financial challenges, relationship challenges, whatever it is, Lord, you hear us, you care, and you help. And so, Lord, we we just acknowledge our great need of your help. We are so prone to trust ourselves. We're so prone to have confidence in ourselves, our own abilities. Lord, we need your help. And so we would just acknowledge that together this morning. We're grateful that you're present, that you're here. We're grateful for your help. Thank you for the promise of Scripture that you are a very present help in time of trouble. And we just want to say thank you. We're grateful. We love you. So we give you thanks together in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.